if I could preach a message, if the Lord, I, I, this is a very dangerous thing I'm going to tell you right now. If the Lord gave me one message to preach, I would wish it were today. If this were my last message, this would be all right with me. We're in 1 Timothy. We're in the fourth chapter. And I believe that God is going to reveal to your heart this morning something that even though you maybe have read this chapter and this verse and this place in Scripture many a time, I believe God's going to reveal to you something brand new. I know He did to me. I was overwhelmed as I studied this section of Scripture this particular week, uh, what God did and in through my life, just reading it. it, it uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe you won't feel or sense anything. But to me, this is such an amazing place in Scripture. It, it really touches the heart of all of us as believers. This journey throughout this particular book, First Timothy, in the particular, this chapter is just a very a lesson on how we are to honor our Lord in and through our lives. How to, to become a, a, a godly leader in an ungodly world in which we live. How to have a church that, uh, that becomes a, a church that, that reaches out into the community, into our own lives, and, and, and does whatever it is that God wants to do in and through your life. This is the place. Would you please open up your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4? And would, would, would you please read with me verses 12 through 16? Paul is writing to Timothy and he is saying to him, Timothy, verse 12, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Until I come, Paul writes, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterances which, with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Verse 15, take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to, to all. Verse 16, this chapter closes by Paul writing, Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Father in, in heaven above, As we read these words, may we also take pains with these things. May we be absorbed in them. Allow, Father, our, our progress, our growth, our, our walk with you be evident to every person we come in contact with, Father. May we play, pay close attention to not only ourselves, but to the gifts that you so graciously have given to each and every single one of us, whether it be teaching or, or helps or administration or whatever, may we pay close attention to that gift. May we persevere, Father, and in so doing, 
ensures salvation not only for ourselves, but, Father, so importantly, to those who may hear us, who, do, who may see us, who may observe our growth in Christ. Father, may we reach out to people that we don't even know. And may we impact lives here and there, wherever we may be, Father. I want to thank you, Father, for the blessings of, of Mark and Pastor Mark and, and his church. Bless them, Father, beyond their wildest dream. May we, may we rejoice Sunday after Sunday after Sunday as we see God that you would bless them. And I thank you, Father, for the privilege of being a part right now. Also, Father, I think of the Korean ministry that will be starting up here shortly. Why have you blessed us, Father? I don't know, but you have. And we thank you for it. And now, Father, I want to ask your blessings upon this time. Would you open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law? Would you give us, Father, the ability to give you the attention that you so desire and so deserve at this moment so that you, might, Father, might speak to each of our hearts as needed. For that to take place, dear Father, I ask with all of my heart that you would move me aside, Father, that we would not notice anyone who is speaking up here, but rather we would hear from the very God of heaven itself speaking to us individually. Oh, Father, God, thank you for this privilege. I pray these things in the powerful and most gracious and wonderful name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We thank you for your Son, Father. It's in his name we give you thanks. Amen. I don't want to get right into this message without saying a couple of things. For those of you that were here on Third Friday, you received one of the greatest blessings you'll ever have. I, I know you already know that. We got to hear Wes Porter and then Mark Vosper speak. And, and I was so moved that I actually asked if I could get up and say something after they were through, and I, I made the statement of how blessed of a church we are to have men, young men of, of that caliber, to be able to so divide the Word of God and so beautifully share. Uh, I, would, uh, I would be a part of both or either one of their churches anytime, anyplace, anywhere, along with Rob Selleck, along with Brent Slazak, God has so blessed this church that if you didn't make it, I am sorry you missed it. I, I wish we would have videotaped it or whatever so that you could have been a part. It was amazing. And then we had a potluck too. Oh my gosh. I had chili like I've never had before in my life. It was like a touch of heaven. And so I, I, would really, uh, I would really appreciate if you would consider marking down on your calendars some Third Fridays to come. You'll be blessed. And then I noticed this morning Anthony was sharing about how they went to the football game yesterday at, at, in Los Angeles. And, 
It was the first time he ever went to a game like that, and he said it was just amazing. And I, I listened to, to that, and I marveled. I said, that's right. I, I've, I've, exp- I've felt that before. I watched that game on TV, and, and, and when they have a blimp that flies overhead, I, 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 I see, you know, how, how the place is packed, and, and everyone's excited, and, and you can see, and you look in the distance, and how far away they have to park their cars and come, and nobody complains. They just come. Get there on time, too, you know. They don't want to miss the kickoff. And so I, um, I, th- I thought about what Anthony said and, and how he was so moved by that moment, how, thought about, how he thought about worshiping God and, and, and how we could worship God and just express our joy for him. And with the exuberance, he, he, he said he so enjoyed that game and and then, I, and then I went off into my old ball pay, player type of attitude, and I said, you know, if, if you would have gone to UCLA, you it wouldn't have been so exciting then, you know. <laughs> I, I want to ask your forgiveness that I, had to, that I had to say that. Let's get into the Word. The single greatest way that you and I can set forth a life of godliness is not so much by what we say, but really by the way we live. Let me, let me remind you what Paul is saying to Timothy and us just last week. Look back at verse 8. Here's what Paul said and how it ties in together to today and how Scripture just ties itself together. In verse 8, Paul says, Bodily discipline is only of a little profit. Now, it's not that it's not profitable. It is, but it's only of a little profit. But he said godliness. On the other hand, godliness, he says, that's profitable for all things. It holds the promise for this day in which we now live, this present life that we live, but it also holds the promise for the life to come godliness. You see, when a pattern of godliness is missing, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your workplace, but let's talk about our church. When it's missing within the pews, when it's missing within the church leadership, when it's missing within the pulpit or among its elders, then people will sense God's power is missing. It'll leave a hollow, empty shell in place of a church. There must be godliness amongst us. Our lives are the most powerful message that a church can have. You see, when I speak, for instance, my life must reinforce what I say, or I might as well not even say it. What we do will speak much more loudly than than what we say. Watch what Paul says about this as he builds this, this theme upon talking to Timothy. Look with me, please. Hold your place here and, and just turn to the left. Just a, a couple of pages to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Listen to Paul's words. He says in verse 7, 
He says, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. Because, he says, we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you. Now he gives an example in verse 8. We didn't eat anyone's bread without paying for it. We labored and, and with hardship we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any one of you. Now note verse 9. Not because, he says, we don't have the right to do so. In other words, that every right to be, be supported by the church. Now note the reason that Paul acted as he did. I want you to kind of just reflect back. Look back at verse 7 just for a moment. In verse 7 Paul said, We did not act in an undisciplined manner among you. Why? Verse 9, In order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would, what? Follow our example. What he did spoke more loudly than what he said. So back to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. It's a powerful verse. Paul says to Timothy and to us, let no one look down on your youthfulness. Now, I want to show you what that means in a moment. But in other words, he is saying, prove yourself, Timothy. How? He says here, in your speech, in your conduct, in your love, in your faith, in your purity, show, show yourself, Timothy, as an example for those who believe. What we do will speak much more loudly than what we say. Show yourself, Timothy, an example for those who believe. Now, to get some perspective about age, when Paul is speaking about Timothy's youthfulness, the word youthfulness in Greek is N-E-O-T-E-S. It, it was used to describe anyone under the age of 40. When Luke describes Paul as a young man in Acts chapter 7, verse 58, he said Paul... Being a young man, Paul was, was over 30 at that time when he said that. He was in his mid-30s. So youthfulness is someone under the age of 40. And Paul, in verse 12, mentions five areas how Timothy was to show himself as an example to all of us. And it was through his speech, through his conduct, through his love, his faith, and his purity. Let's take a look at these words. They're, they're far too important to just gloss over. Speech. Jesus warns in Matthew chapter 12. If you wish, turn to please Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 37. Jesus warned the self-righteous religious people of that day who who just rejected him at every level. He warned them to watch their tongue, watch their speech. Look what it says in verse 34 of Matthew chapter 12. He calls them a brood of vipers. Man, I love our Lord. I do. I absolutely 
love him. You talk about politically incorrect. You brood of vipers, he said. How can you, being evil, speak what is good? He says, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Verse 35, he says, a good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. And then he gets down to the very nitty-gritty of what we want to talk about is speech. In verse 36, Jesus says, But I tell you that every careless word that people, not just the religious, self-righteous men that were standing in front of him, but every careless word that people speak, they'll give an account for it in the day of judgment. Ouch! Not only that, he says, in verse 37, by your words you will be justified. But note, also, by your words you will also be condemned. Double ouch. Our speech reflects what is in our hearts. So we need to be careful with our words and careful with our hearts. After he mentions speech, Paul writes the word conduct. An excellent Christian is required to be a model of righteous living. It is our call. You know, so many people have been told, come to Christ, come to Christ, and everything will be fine. And it's like that's the end all and be all of our faith, coming to Christ that's only the beginning. It's like you're at a you're in a in a starting blocks to run a race and the gun goes off and you start to run. That's just the start. The coming to Christ is just the start of the gun and starts you on the journey of becoming a man, a woman that God has called you to become in your life by your conduct. I want to give you a couple of examples how we are to conduct ourselves. Listen to James. You don't need to turn there because I'm going to go through. There's three of them. You might want to write them down and look at them later. James 3.13, 1 Peter 1.15, and 1 Peter 2.12. Listen to James in chapter 3, verse 13. He says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Then he says, Let that person show by his good behavior his deeds. We show by our behavior the fruits of the Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, Peter writes, But like the Holy One who has called you, be holy yourself also in all your behavior. Peter also says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. In other words, among those who do not believe or trust in God. Keep your behavior excellent among them, so that in the thing in which they slander you as an evildoer, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. May your conduct, my conduct, may our conduct lead others 
to Christ. Remember, what you do will speak far more loudly than what you say. After speech and after conduct, back in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul mentions to Timothy love. Now, biblical love is far different than the emotion that our culture calls love today. It's not recognizable today in our culture. Love isn't. You see, biblical love involves self-sacrificial giving. Jesus Christ sets the tone. He says, greater love has no one than this, that he does what? Lays down his life for others. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for others. Today about, um, oh, about 4.15, I'm going to look into the eyes of Jen and Wes, and I'm going to quote them out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. I've quoted these two verses at almost every wedding that I've ever done. It says, Do nothing out of selfishness nor empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than you do your own self. You want to have a successful marriage? You want to be a successful Christian? Then, then consider one another as more important than you do your own self. Not merely looking out for your own personal interests, but also looking out for caring for the interests of one another. That's what makes a healthy church. Looking out for the other's interests more than you do your own self. It makes a God-blessed marriage. Caring for your wife with more importance than you would your own self. Caring for your husband with more importance than you do your own self. Listen to what Paul says about love in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4. It is um, if I could I would say it's it would be a life verse for me. I I can't put myself in the place of Paul. I'm, I just can't. Paul says this out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote to you with many tears. Not so that you would be made sorrowful, but that you might know the love which I have especially for you. I try to tell you folks every week that I love you, and I mean it with all my heart. I love you more than I can put into words. Love. There's speech, there's conduct, there's love. Show yourself an example, Timothy. Fourthly, he mentions faith. Faith here does not refer to belief. It, it, it refers to being faithful, trustworthy. It is an unwavering commitment of obedience to follow your Lord and your God. Faithful. An excellent Christian is one who is consistently faithful. I read to you last week out of 
1 Corinthians 4, 2. It is required of a steward. It is required of a servant. It is required of a follower of God that one would be found faithful or trustworthy. It's required of us. Lastly, Paul writes of purity. In the Greek, it is H-A-G-N-E-I-A. It speaks mainly to purity in the area of sexuality. Purity in that area, both in actions and in the intentions of one's heart. There is nothing that would so ravage a Christian's life than sexual impurity, whether it be in action or in words, i.e. jokes, innuendos. We are in speech and in conduct and in love and in faith and in purity. We are to show ourselves an example to those who believe. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, now starting with verses 13, 14, 15, and 16, now Paul shows us how we can do this and why we ought to do this. Watch. He says in verse 13, Until I come, I want you to give attention to the public reading of Scripture. And he says, to exhortation and to teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterances with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in these things so that your progress will be evident to everyone. And why? Verse 16 Pay close attention to yourself, Paul writes to Timothy, and to your teaching. It it, it is obvious that he was talking about Timothy's spiritual gift. Timothy had a gift of teaching that God gave him. Your gift might not be teaching. It might be administration. Like I said, it, it might be helps. It might be, I don't know what God has given to you. But pay close attention to yourself, and to your gift that was given to you by God. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will endure salvation, not only for yourself, but for others. What more is there a reason for you and me to live than to assure in ourselves our salvation, but also so that we might pass it along to others? What greater gift can you ever give a person and to share with them the wonders of Jesus Christ. In verse 13, the word exhortation is is very, very important. It means that we are to challenge. It means that we are to confront people with God's truth. We are to exhort them. Exhort them to apply the truths that they have been taught. How? Verse 13 through the reading of Scripture, and through the teaching of the Word of God. We're to warn people, exhort them. We're to challenge people to obey God's Word. 
in light of the blessings that will come upon them. And we are to exhort people, warn people, challenge people of the judgment that is to come if they do not obey God's Word. You see, exhortation and preaching and teaching is without question the highest call within a church body. It's not missions, it's not youth programs, it's not music, it's not anything else that you can imagine within a church. No, the highest call in a church is to preach and to teach the Word of God. That's why we can't, we can't neglect the teaching of, of, of this. We, we can't neglect these words. We must go through it, line upon line. We must go through the Word of God. It is the highest call to a church. We see everything else and the church comes from and follows the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. And now Paul attacks a problem in Timothy's life. <laughs> You're going to know that I studied when I tell you this. The imperative form of the verb, do not neglect, I don't I don't even know. I, I don't know what imperative form of a verb. It's the, the Greek word is A-M-E-L-E-O. But here's what it means. It indicates, do not neglect, indicates that Timothy had given thought to abandoning his call, his ministry. Did you know that? When Paul says, do not neglect, Timothy, he is saying, don't give up. We've already noted that Timothy was a young man. He was under 40 at least. And he faced some, as we've already noted, some formidable foes and enemies within his own church in Ephesus. Those who were false teachers. In fact, it got so rough that Paul had to come in and kick two of the guys out. Remember? I, I'm sure you do. Look back just a page. Look at chapter 1. Look at verse 20. Paul had to kick Hymenaeus and Alexander out of the church and delivered them over to Satan so they, they would be taught not to blaspheme. And so Timothy, being a young man, thought, thought to himself, this is too much for me. I, I can't do this. I've, I, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm quitting. How many of you ever thought about that? But instead of leaving, Paul wanted to, Timothy to continue using his spiritual gift that God had so graciously given to him. Why? Well, Paul already told Timothy as well as us in the book of Romans, the 11th chapter, the 29th verse says, the gifts and the calling of God are what? Do you have a clue? The gifts and the calling of God are what? They're irrevocable. I can't say, Father, I, I'm done. I, thanks a lot. It's been a nice time. Here, take my gift back. I don't want to give this back to you, but it would be like this. When you gave me this, I was reminded of a story. Long time ago, I had the privilege of meeting and knowing a man named uh, Rich DeVos. He's, uh, he began Amway and extremely wealthy, a billionaire, be back a while ago. 
we were in New York and, at an all-star game, and he invited us on his yacht for breakfast. New York, yacht in the harbor, breakfast with, with Rich DeVos. My gosh, I'd come a long way. Figured, what would we give him for a gift? They were giving out gifts at the All-Star game and, and a gift packet. And in the gift packet was a, an All-Star mug, pretty similar to this. So I gave it to him. Got on the boat and gave him a mug. And he said, whoa, thanks. Thanks a lot. And he was drinking coffee out of his mug that looked like it was gold or something. And he went, blew the dust out of the mug I gave him and poured his coffee into that mug and said, tastes better already. And I thought, what a gracious man. How embarrassing would it have been? And he says, you know, I don't need this mug. I got plenty of coffee cups. How would it feel if we, to our Father who is in heaven, did not use the gift that he has so graciously given to us? The gifts and the calling of God, they're irrevocable, folks. We can't give them back. And so Paul writes to Timothy in verse 15, Take pains, Timothy. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them, Timothy. So that your progress, Timothy, is going to be evident to those people you're, you're ministering to in Ephesus. Why? Why? Why do we suffer hardships in ministry? Why? Why do we persist when it seems like everything else is falling in around us? Why? Why do we shed tears over those who fail? I'll tell you why. Turn with me ahead just a page or two to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Listen, listen to what Paul writes to Timothy a little later on. In chapter 2, verse 1, he says, You therefore, my son, talking to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these things to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. Suffer hardship with me, Timothy, as a good soldier. Let's jump down to verse 11 of that same chapter. He says it is a trustworthy statement. If we died with Christ, we shall also live with Him. If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful because He cannot deny Himself. I absolutely love that particular place in Scripture. Why do we endure? Back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Because Paul writes this to us as well as to Timothy. Pay close attention to yourself and to your gift. 
this case, it's Timothy being able to teach. Persevere. Hang in there. Hang in there, Timothy, in these things. For as you do this, Timothy, you will ensure salvation for yourself and for those who hear, observe you. I'll tell you why you are to hang in there, Timothy. I'll tell you why you and I are to hang in there. Why we are to pay close attention to ourselves and to our spiritual gifts. It's so as to ensure salvation for ourselves, but also for those who observe us, hear us. Paul begs Timothy, and I beg you, as well as I beg myself, take pains, be absorbed, progress in your faith, so that your life in Christ may be evident to everyone, so that you might save not only yourself, but others from the very grasp of hell itself. Reason enough to hang in there? I think so. Reason enough to faithfully walk with Jesus Christ all the days of our life. Father, may we be so bold to be a church, to be a people who faithfully walk with you. May we be absorbed in these things that you have given us, these wonderful spiritual gifts, Father, that we have. May we take pains to do what is right. May we progress, grow in our faith so that our lives in Jesus Christ may be evident to everyone who sees or hears of either the Rock Community Church or, or um, Searchlight Ministry. May we be a light upon this community, both the churches here as well as the Korean group of people, so that we might save not only ourselves, but others who hear of us and come and come to know and trust and believe in our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's reason enough, Father, for us to faithfully walk with you, not only today, but every day you give us here on this earth. May we not neglect these things. I pray this, Father, for each of us here, that we would have the privilege of living a long and, and prosperous life with you, leading people to Christ, Father, not so much by what we say, but what we do. Father, bless, bless uh, Pastor Mark. Bless this church. Thank you for Anthony and the, the musicians who so beautifully lead us in worship. And now, Father, bless us this day and, and bring us back again next week, Father. Anxious to hear from your heart, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
I love you all so much. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. Have a great, great day.